0: Take
1: two middle-aged men who happen to be cousins and share a common codependency on movies. Put them in a room and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? An existential exposition of cinematic synergy we call The Finleys on Film. I sent the letter uh, to Nancy Olson when we were still the Cinnabums, the um, ill-fated... Beginning of this podcast, right, right, right. Um, Nancy Olson, who I tracked her down like a um, a nut. Oh,
0: that's that her. Okay, I did. I remember. I remember the event, not
1: the name. Okay, cool. You, oh, do you remember me talking about sending yeah. her a letter? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, sending her a letter asking if she'd be on the Cinnabums. um, and I and we never got a reply. I just thought she was an. Int- I always thought Nancy Olsen was an interesting person because. She had this um, very, very promising career in in the early 1950s, all the way through the 60s at Paramount. Um, She um, somehow—
0: Nominated nominated for uh, Sunset Boulevard.
1: uh, Was she? A supporting actress?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Right? Um, She had um, this—it fizzled out and she became kind of of the um, love boat guest star ilk by like the 60s and 70s. But, you know, she still worked. She Um,
0: worked in TV. She did did very few movie appearances. And then like two, only two after like 1981,
1: I think. She worked in, um, uh, well, no, no, no more. Actually more because I want to note that in 2014, the last film appearance that I know of from um, her, I should look it up right now, is a ridiculous movie called, sorry, here it comes. Wait, wait for it. Tommy. This is good. Called yes, dumb. Good. We,
0: we called, call this good radio. Yeah, Sadly, it's a podcast
1: called dumbbells, and the picture on <laughs> dumbbells is kind of like those 1980 movies called like joysticks. You know, like uh, those oh, sex joystick, teenage yeah. comedy. You remember joysticks? Oh, I do. Oh yeah. So fucking, I remember
0: being embarrassed as a teenager watching.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny about about joysticks is our <laughs> is what? our step grandfather, uh, Grandpa Gerald Murphy. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Um, he, you know, as you know, collected news clippings. Yes. And that was, you know, pre-internet, pre-microfiche. He just had closets full. He, he subscribed to he Seven. He's like
0: the guy from Seven, but without acting on it, in a sense.
1: Yeah, in a weird way, because he was unemployed. He was, um... He subscribed to seven newspapers, had like 50 dictionaries, and, and he was the first guy I knew who, like in dictionaries or any book really, would put little slips of paper with notations on them. Right, right, right. And then he um, would do all these news clippings, and he would write in this red Bic pen all these comments you know, at the bottom about what he thought about the article. He was right. also the guy, by the way, who kept a journal every day about what he did, and it was like mundane, like had uh, two cups of Sanka uh, and <laughs> one buttered roll. And he um, he was the one. Later on, we found out that when he had his first heart attack,
0: heart attack, yeah, yeah, yeah. he
1: journaled his heart attack, and the writing was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. As go ahead, do
0: you think if would he be a troll if he were alive today?
1: Uh yeah oh definitely yeah, he was totally. a troll he was,
0: he was a troll but without like the actual forum for well there'd be a room yeah you'd
1: you'd enter that. it uh, you know like oh no he's in this room and he would troll you he would troll a kid I can't rem- I can't tell you the the number of times he trolled me as an eleven year old um, but anyway I remember that we were going through all his news clippings which by the way as crazy as he was and and he would save emergency water in old in old washed out gallo yeah. wine jugs which is the, it was like
0: like how many are were like 35 or something yeah
1: but it, but it was like literally thousands of articles he'd clipped out and made notations and it was like People hate, we, everyone hated him so much. Even as a kid, I thought this was crazy, that after he died, the one thing he'd done useful was to, was to archive all the stuff and everyone's like, throw it out, like burn it. And so all these great yeah. articles were burned. <laughs> but, but anyway. So, it wasn't
0: just throw it out, it was the burn it. Yeah.
1: yeah sorry, so we're going, we're going far afield here. But, but so I remember opening a closet and there was, um, he had clipped out the advertisement for Joysticks, the teenage sex comedy. And at the bottom in red Big Pen, it just had cock teases with an exclamation point, like his ca- ca- Catholic sort of. Anyway, so, so Nancy Olsen, this is all like ca- six degrees of separation. Nancy Olsen, that's the last film I'm aware of her being in. I really wanted to get her on the Finleys or at that time the Cinnabums because um, not only did she have this interesting sort of career when at the last sort of gasp of Paramount being like the, the studio system in the 50s. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. But also she was a really good friend up to a point of William Holden because they'd done several films together and she was the one most distraught at his death. She couldn't understand how he'd become what he'd become, which is essentially a a drunk.
0: Yeah. 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 An alcoholic with a a throw rug.
1: Yes. With a poor, poor, uh, poorly designed throw rug (laughs) or well waxed um, wood floor or something. (laughs)
0: Anyway, <laughs> the old joke: of the business is going out of sale. One of them was like the William Holden crash helmet. Nice, or
1: nice. So, 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 um, they were in Sunset Boulevard together in yeah. 19, in nineteen fifty.
0: And they, they got paired off with a number of like I, I want to say like three or four movies altogether.
1: I think at least three because in nineteen fifty one they did Union Station together right. that which is a great i think one and then in 1952 imdb puts it at 1951 but everyone else puts it at 52 and that's what i recall in, yeah. uh, our movie which is submarine command
0: submarine command <laughs>
1: Su- submarine command was one of the first william holden movies i liked um as a kid and i maybe that's the reason that all these years it's kind of been a, a favorite william holden movie of mine maybe it's pure nostalgia but there's something i actually really like about this movie i feel it's, it's very underappreciated
0: well, I think, I think, well, first off, underappreciated. Yeah, this is a movie almost designed to run under the radar in a number <laughs> of ways. So I think
1: it's Submerged, are you saying, Tommy? I'm not Ed? saying
0: that in a bad way. It's, just, it's not a spectacular movie. It's not, uh, this is not a – the print we watched, by the way, was also not very good.
1: The, the print is not but good. Yeah, I agree.
0: The, uh, what I what I thought was really interesting, sort of doing a little diving into it, which is –
1: Diving it, into it. Okay, go ahead. So to
0: speak. No, Keep I'm, going um is that Holden believed in the movie like he invested his own money in the production of
1: it 20 grand so. of his own money back in 1951 was quite a little bit
0: Throwing down some cheddar on the, on the movie here. Think but of it's how many like, secure
1: throw rugs I would have per, uh, would have bought. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> maybe that's maybe the twenty. Never mind. Um, but um, yeah, like when I say like this movie is almost designed to go under the radar. It's interesting because there's a sense in which it's. I think it's sort of may, maybe kind of ahead of its time in, in yes. a couple of
1: senses. Oh that. yeah,
0: talking. It's it's a very sort of um, kind of a frank uh, approach to PTSD. Which yep. They didn't call it that back. Shell in the day. shock. You know, in fact, that's kind of that's kind of really the crux of this entire movie right here.
1: You know? Well, because
0: cowardice and all like that. And also it's done in the sort of the and, and the, the other thing I think that mitigates against it. It's also it's the end of World War Two. But more importantly, is the Korean War. And I yes. think there's just there's a period of time in American history. People, Americans just didn't want to think about the Korean War. I think we, we still treat North Korea like they don't have a reason to know.
1: I don't really know enough about that to even agree or disagree with that. That's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I don't. That's, wonder- a,
0: that's an American thing. Like, we, we, why do the Russians hate us? Well, we fucking, you know, we we funded their counter-revolution, and uh, North Koreans keep us. We're their front burner villains forever.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the reasons, I, maybe you can correct me on this. It seems to me that the the delineation between shell shock and PTSD. Is that they're not precisely the same because shell shock, the name is derived from the idea that you suffer but as a result of like physical action or like explosion or, or all that sort of stuff. Whereas PTSD yeah. is more about like it could also include just the experience of war, like the content of war if you are, the the idea.
0: Well, shell shock specifically comes from World War One. It's a shell shock, battle fatigue, PTSD. Think of the, those three. Yeah. Shellshock shell shock is specifically World War One, and one of the like the real features of horror that mm-hmm. these guys. That, that really did psychological psychological damage to these guys was the use of artillery the way it was used. Yeah. So that's where that's sh- that's where shell shock comes in. So yeah, that's a very specific thing, but it's all really it's a it's a continuum along the same line. Battle fatigue, you know, people spending too much time in combat is how they looked at it in World War II. But to your and, point, uh, it, we call it PTSD. It's just the simple fact is is you can't put people in that kind of fucking peril and not expect some kind of psychological blowback.
1: But to, but to your point, uh, it it like thinking of this movie as Um, if there is a continuum more about the PTSD than shell shock sort of end of it if you will version of it because this is about what you have to do or how you feel about what you what, what you saw or what you did rather than actual you know uh, 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 a result of a sort of like artillery fire or something like
0: that. Yeah, no, this is, yeah, and that's um, what I think kind of makes this interesting. And again, I think sort of mitigates against it being like a, like a mainstream of uh, sort of war movies is that it's talking about a sort of a much more subtle angle of the battle fatigue, PTSD, or whatever you want to call that thing. I, it's talking about a much more subtle angle. It's about a guy who did the right fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, but felt like a coward because of it.
1: Well, that's, that's what I, I, I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to, to you know, give this sort of analysis at 11. But even at 11, I think that's kind of one of the things I liked about the movie is that it's walking those two lines. Everything you just talked about, how it's a film that's kind of maybe ahead of the curve in terms of talking about or exploring things like PTSD, about like what does it mean to do the right thing but feel awful about it, all of that sort of stuff. And at the same time, with a lot of these films we've talked about, it's like it is also a propaganda film. It has to sort yes, of like walk those so, two yes. lines, right? So it's it's about this is a film about William Holden, who's the second in command on a submarine during the the yep. wait, literally like the the the, 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 the last,
0: last day of World War Two, the Japanese just before the Japanese surrender. It's
1: like August thirteenth when this bad event happens, right? And there yeah. there was no it, apparently this this submarine was based on. Some sub, there was no Tiger Shark, but it was sort of like modeled after a particular event in a particular submarine. Um, right. and, and so it starts like a lot of um, William Holden movies at the time. Uh, I would say William Holden, Nancy Olsen movies. Uh, 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 the voiceover. <laughs> the voiceover, the Sunset Boulevard, Union Station, and now this one all have this is how it started, folks. And it's, and it's like, it's after the war. <laughs> it
0: didn't sound like Jimmy Durante. This yeah. is how it started. Ah, cha,
1: cha, cha. <laughs> dive, dive, dive. So, so he's, um, he's with the Mothball Fleet and, um, he has to sort of like look over the old tiger shark, which he was second in command for a while because there's going to be a... Re- and for
0: one day, he was the commander.
1: Yeah, we'll Mexico. get to that. Because there's a reporter who's going to come and talk about, you know, the mothball fleet and what we're doing with it, right? So mm-hmm. so he, hence the flashback, the sort of the wavery Scooby-Doo flashback. And we get to sort of find out what happens. With then, the
0: sound effects too. Ooh.
1: Yeah, it's got a lot, almost a theremin quality about it. I mean, it is, cool. <laughs> by the way, I'm going to say this. I, I start by saying I like this movie a lot. I've always liked it, but I... Totally it's cornball in many many ways, but but at the same time to see don't let me give ahead of myself Tommy because it's corny But it's also kind of insightful and ahead of its time. So so and not just the PTSD stuff um, but but so he wants to tell us the whole story about August 13th and the events that happened and and essentially what happens is They're on a mission. The Japanese have not given up yet Um, And and essentially he has to dive while his captain is is above board and and leave him and one other person. And he makes a responsible decision to dive and...
0: Um, the, the, the ship was an it was an imminent peril. The captain wasn't going to yeah. make it down in time. He was the executive officer. So they <laughs> so really did the exact right thing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they sink a bunch of ships. Then he has to dive and leave his captain now putting him in charge. And it's right. almost like as soon as he resubmerges, hey, the war is over. It's like fuck <laughs> yeah, you. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a
0: minorly comical in that sense. Yeah. It was deliberately atrocious, but it's also meant to be that way. Like that's that was like a deliberate design. And of course, by the way, this movie also has the uh, amazing Mr. William Bendix. Love Lifer the William Riley.
1: Bendix, Lifer, Riley. Life of O'Reilly, Lifeboat. I know that guy. The he always does
0: it, and in this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of—I don't know why—but he was like. Every time I think of him, uh, I think of him as a sailor. He just like has that type. There's something about him.
1: He was also in the when we did the Alan Ladd episode. He was in the Blue Dahlia, and you remember he's the guy come back from war. And it's like this is ringing in my head. And he's yeah. he's always got ringing in his head. This guy. He's a real palooka <laughs> with ringing in his head. Well, palooka is the word. Yeah, he's <laughs> a palooka, this guy. Yeah,
0: he's he's totally a palooka. He plays an absolute type, and so uh, in this he was movie, apparently he a plays real coxman uh, by chief the chief of the boat or something like. What's
1: that? He was a real coxman apparently. This guy. Oh, right.
0: Really? Interesting.
1: Nah, I'm just making that up. But wouldn't it be cool okay. if William Bandicks was a It'd real awesome cock?
0: Just like throwing it down him and the Agonist Moorhead. <laughs> <laughs> just just like just having fucking rotisserie parties up in the Hollywood i would
1: believe hills. by the way i would believe that actus moorhead was a was a side <laughs> i kind of want to it
0: would be awesome just yeah. because she's that fucking cool yeah sorry so like, i interrupted she, you. She, she's fucking eight guys on top of the h really
1: <laughs> just... <laughs> the iphone okay plus. so enough of our dreams yeah uh
0: but uh yeah so he's uh so he's like the chief of the boat. Yep. And uh he's kind of a he's a, he's 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 what you call a gung ho person. Yeah. And he thinks that William Holden did the cowardly thing by by diving the boat. Because the
1: captain wouldn't have done that. The the captain that he thinks would oh, have course, a yeah. I mean, kill. The, the
0: thing about it, what, what's interesting is uh that he, he's like an almost unbearable character if William Holden wasn't also haunted by the by, – by was he a coward in doing that?
1: Thing? Right, right, because William Bendix – like,
0: He's like this great chorus of the yes. thoughts going on in William Holden's head, and he performs that function throughout and the And
1: that chorus, by the way, is is echoed in real life. So William William Bendix is the chorus. By the way, the the, the newspaper man who comes uh, along later on to, to look at the mothball fleet – um, mm-hmm. very, it's, it's, it's ter- terrible writing because it's almost like those scene in the movie where, where the killer turns the radio the car radio on News flash, wanted right at that moment it's like yeah a,
0: it's a little Dickensian like the, <laughs> a little
1: bit so, so the newspaper man comes along and says well I heard that tiger shark you know and he, he recounts the event boy the poor sucker who wanted to do that any idea who it was and William Holden, it was me yes. da, da, da. but it's like okay so you have the newspaper man and William Bendix and then, but then you have the widow of the captain and the captain's father, who's an admiral, who are like, "You did the right thing." I like that, that. That the balance. One of the problems is that the is that those people, the the widow and and the the father, who's the admiral, they also provide. They can't they can't just say we we support you. You did the right thing. What happens is they have to say, um, kind of throw in something about America. That's where the propaganda comes in. It also, I think that, ahead,
0: that if there's like a, if, if there's a, the, the part. I would say the wife's reaction yes. stretches my credulity yes. just a little fucking
1: bit. She's like, she's almost
0: happy that he did the right thing and killed her husband. Yeah. Like, There's fucking zero mourning. <laughs> no widow <laughs> weaves in her at all. So uh, I get that the, the apple can you take I think, my kids I,
1: for I, a line.
0: Much more than I did her, but she was providing. I mean, she like, but again, it's the it's the propaganda. Yeah, element, of
1: course, yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. Right. Yeah. So
0: she's providing like the go ahead. <laughs> yeah. to to him, that he then can or that that he can't really accept,
1: right? And so he has to torture himself. But another th- so 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 then the other thing I like about this film, and I, I always forget this guy's name, but um, he's a co-star of this film with Nancy Olsen and and William Bendix. and he was in um, when we did the New York episode. Um, he was in Night in the City. He played the uh, the detective, and his name is Don Taylor. The Good looking, okay. uh, tall blonde guy, and he plays his buddy, um, in the navy. Um, what I the other sort of aspect that I like about this film is it it, it plays these two things off of each other, never mind the propaganda. It's it, William Holden's personal sense of PTSD is acknowledged, and we'd feel bad for him, and at the same time, we examine, like, yeah, you're a f- you're a fucking asshole, you're being a drag on everyone else. So it examines, it it neither does the thing that like best years of our lives, which is a great film, it, um, it doesn't do that thing like, "Hey, the war's over, everyone. Let's get back to right thinking." And it, and it doesn't just dwell on PTSD like this poor victim. It says, "Really, the victim is not just the victim himself, but everyone who has to live with someone with PTSD."
0: Right? Because what, what you know, because this starts taking a serious toll on his marriage, and his wife is, uh, I, I think, you know, being a kind of a being a real sort of a. A little unbelievably, an adult in this situation, and just you know,
1: she, for a she's, woman, she's I calling agree. it
0: as she sees it. That's but I that's mean, Nancy you know, Olsen's... Quit the navy or quit the navy or or we're done.
1: You know? Nancy Olsen's specialty is that though, and all of the films, at least with what <laughs> is reasonable. well, she starts she starts always being like the nicest person, the coolest girlfriend you'd ever want to have, and then mm. and then kind of like a cool girlfriend at some point goes like enough of this bullshit. She does it in all her movies to William Holden, and it's like that's maybe like the perfect role for her somehow. Right, right, right. The one thing she was in later on, by the way, sorry for the side note, was she played the shitty aunt and Pollyanna in nineteen sixty. Maybe they were she was just trying to do a little like stretch in there.
0: I've never seen that. Well let's put one... it on the list.
1: Oh, Pollyanna, next episode.
0: Polly Anna? Okay.
1: Well you can look forward to those gems on the Pollyanna
0: <laughs> episode. <laughs> here look at here, look at these gems. Oh I'm referring to my balls, but I'm not actually Family sharing.
1: Pews.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so. Uh, well, okay, so, yeah. so, but I think, you know, like I said, it's a funny thing about this movie that I think, like I said, it almost mit- mitigates it against its own fame just because, so it, it, it bears a real comparison to the best years of our lives. Okay. Right? Yeah. But it didn't come out in 1946, mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't, and it's not, it, it's not sort of as, it's not nearly as gleefully optimistic and right. pro American as that. It's a much more nuanced thing. Yeah. Americans, particularly Americans during the middle of the war, which was the Korean War at that point, yeah, uh, don't fucking we don't enjoy nuance certainly not when we're beating it no no when we're putting the smack down on somebody else yeah
1: yeah it's trying i, I mean one of the things that i also think where it fails it, it begins to fail and it's like we did we talked about this we talk about this a lot we talked about it with um that movie john and mary with mia farah totally different subject matter but it's like a, ma- a mature film or mature-ish in this case let's say but they have to end it It's like he has to redeem himself, not by getting better, but by becoming a real American hero and therefore getting the approval of everyone. It's like, ah, bummer, third act. I'm
0: watching that. Yeah, I'm watching it and going, oh, wait, he's never going to command another ship again the rest of his fucking life because he loses that ship. Right. You don't command a ship once you've lost one. Like his career in the navy is done at the end of that movie. Never, that never comes up.
1: Oh, I didn't even think about that. You'd know more about that as a former. Well, no, I, well, yeah. I
0: was in the navy, so I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's great. He did. He was not heroic. He was stupid and reckless. Went against his orders. Put his entire command at fucking risk. Lost his. Command. You're
1: talking about the last. He's, the he's last ruined part.
0: in the goddamn navy. But now, now he's now that he thinks he's brave.
1: Yeah, it's really dumb. And and then also like. We shouldn't. We shouldn't be, as an audience, pinning so much hope on William Bendix changing his mind. The whole point is that William Bendix doesn't understand what he should understand.
0: Yeah, I know. I just wanted him to punch William Bendix. It's just. Point. Yeah, it,
1: I think the movie like, just sort look, of. You're a fucking out.
0: chief. Go suck my balls, I'm a yeah. commander. Go away.
1: Um, let's talk about Don Taylor for a minute. Whether he's in this or he's in uh, the Naked City or uh, the Lieutenant in um, in the following years, Stalic Seventeen. Mm. Um, I find him to be just one of the most likable human beings.
0: Yeah, he is, and, and like I say, he does a pretty good job of being likable in this movie. Even though, in essence, he's not incredibly likable; he's kind of a tool. <laughs> like what he's what he's doing is a tool, but he could, but he's so charming at doing it that he gets kind of gets away with anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's, he's yeah, he's, he's telling the wife to leave. You know, he's giving advice to the wife, and then like playing playing like. The, the you know, the, the in-between friend between the wife and the husband. He's here, a little flirtatious
1: with her, too. I, There's I,
0: never a good place to be.
1: Right, and then... Um I also, for some reason, my mind jumps to that scene um, where William Holden throws a party to apologize to his wife, but he gets crankier. It's one mm-hmm. of the best cranky scenes I've ever seen because everyone who co- in that scene comes up with something. What about Brooklyn? Brooklyn stinks. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it spoke I got to some me. Girl Scout cookies. Fucking Girl Scouts. <laughs> yeah, thin men can blow me. Yeah.
0: I'm going to be a bitch about everything you
1: bring up. <laughs> okay, it's so terrible. look, is this a great film? This is my take on it. No. Is it oh, yeah. even a very good film? No, but I would say it's a good film that could have been better. And and it is sort of, um, I think it succumbed to, to the the culture's needs in that third act. That's that's to me what blows it.
0: I got to say that I like the movie uh, overall. Again, not a great film, um, um, but I would say reasonably competent. Yeah. What I like most about it is that it's really a nice capsule of time and place. Really, if you want to, yep. if you want a movie that's a, like that's, uh, you know, like um, like. Like, who would it be today? Like, uh, You know, like a run-of-the-mill decent movie that comes out in any given year, this is a good one for the year
1: 1951. Glowing, it's, glowing praise indeed. A little time <laughs> If you want some version of a decent movie that's passable today, here's I a version of it be, from 1922. Uh, 19- I am trying to
0: 22. think of something, but I can not think of anything without <laughs> no, no, being was... insulting to Submarine Command, quite frankly. <laughs> we, want what, like a, we want the Adam Sandler movie of its day, right? Uh, yeah. uh,
1: well, some things I was thinking is, is I, I do think there's a limited number of movies that are good about submarines. Um uh, five years after that is, I think, probably a much better film, but in some ways it cribs a lot off of this film, frankly, and that's Run, Run Silent Run Deep with uh, right. Gable and Lancaster in 57.
0: Now, is that better than um, Fire Down Below?
1: Uh, I forgot about Fire I Down love Below. love that goddamn movie, too. Yeah. Fire <laughs> Down Below with Rita Hayworth, uh, Robert Mitchum, and Jack Lemon, right? Am I in the wrong movie? Fire so, Down
0: Below. I don't, I don't remember. Robert Mitchum is correct. I don't know about the rest of them.
1: Look it up right now. Well I, well, I mentioned a movie that's outside of our scope that's a, probably, I think, the best submarine movie, but we can't cover it unless it's on cheat day. And that is 1984's Das Boot. That's, a oh, fucking,
0: that's the best fucking submarine movie of all time. There's no that's
1: way a great that. movie, but I can't think of many other great sub... I guess The Hunt for Red October, of course. Good movie. What am I talking
0: uh, about? I actually liked... Um, I don't know. Did you see... Uh, what the fuck was that? Uh, Crimson Tide?
1: I, oh, Turn Your Key! Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's pretty good. Denzel, I like that one. Well, Denzel's so lovable. He's such a lovable man that Denzel fire, yeah, so uh, what's it? <laughs> fire down below 1957, right also?
0: Well, yeah, but it's, it's trying to tell me 1997, which is blowing my brain.
1: You're looking at the porn fire down below fire oh, down okay. below ladies well, I think that 1957 was the double um, double submarine hit with uh, Run Silent, Run Deep, and Fire Down Below. What yeah, no, that? you're
0: right. It was It was, a fucking, uh, it was um, Rita Hayworth and uh, Jack Lemmon also. Holy Schneichelberries!
1: Yeah, let's do a Rita Hayworth episode pretty soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. All right, Tommy. Let's uh, right now. <laughs> just without watching it. Let's just invent some. Okay, Tommy, you have a website, I believe, and it has a lot of events on it.
0: Of um, smithcomedy.com and quit fucking. That joke is getting very old with you torturing me about how I have no fucking events possible to list on it, you bastard.
1: Not sure what you're talking about, but uh, we look very forward to the events on there.
0: very fucking cruel.
1: Okay. And if you want to rate and review us on iTunes, please do that. We'd love to hear from you via email or is it via? I'm never sure. And that's Finley.
0: Finley's on film at gmail.com, is
1: it? Very good. And uh, I love you, Tommy. <laughs> man, you kind of said he snatched. See you later, man. love you, bud. Be good.